I think that would be a good place to springboard into Elijah. Y'all give me 10 minutes. All right. How many of you all have ever wondered? Let's go back. Let's look at First Kings. I hope I can. Well, I was going to say, I hope I can tie this together, but I'm sure the Holy Ghost know what he's doing. First Kings. Chapter 17. If you've never read 1 Kings chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, you owe it to yourself to go back and read it because it sets the context for the coming of Elijah. And it really shows what Elijah was being sent to do. 1 Kings, you're talking about the ones that I, you owe it to yourself to read or we're going tonight now. 17, 1 Kings chapter 17. And the only thing it says, after talking about Ahab, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, what an entrance for a prophet. <laughs> he just shows up seemingly out of nowhere and i pointed this out and hugh alluded to it we can go back and we can read about other prophets and we get a good idea of where they came from who their mama was who their daddy was ezekiel isaiah amos jeremiah moses we know all about these folks but elijah and here's what's interesting about elijah elijah Wow. When you think power prophecies, when you think power prophet, you think Elijah, you don't think Jeremiah. You don't think Isaiah because they function prophetically in a whole different way than Elijah function because Elijah is parenthetical. Elijah becomes a picture of God in action. Elijah's name means Yah is God. God is God. That's what the name Elijah means. And he just shows up. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. That's like saying Daryl in Largo. <laughs> <laughs> of the inhabitants of America. Put whatever your name is and wherever you're from, this is the entrance that Elijah gets into the biblical narrative. That's like walking up to the president saying, I got a word for you. They say, who are you? Oh, I'm Daryl. <laughs> no track record. Uh-oh. He has no track record. There is nothing that remotely connects Elijah <laughs> to his function other than his name. No, oh, let me say that again. I hope y'all listening. I'm getting this as a download. <laughs> there is nothing 
I'm not getting it as a download, but I'm really getting this as I'm talking about it for real. The only thing that connected Elijah to his function was his name, Elijah, the Tishbite. And his name means God is God. The only thing he had was a name. Jesus said, <laughs> go in, <laughs> oh my, my name. He's given us his name. The same way that the only thing that connected Elijah to his function was his name. The only thing that connects us to our function is the name, but it's not our name. It's the name of Jesus. It's not prophet so-and-so and apostle, the other person. It's the name. So in your journey, the first thing that you need to know <laughs> is the name. If you don't know the power and the authority and the inheritance that's connected to the name, you're just going through the motions. And some of y'all might be sitting there thinking, I know that's why I ain't, that's why certain stuff ain't happening for me. And I want to get there and, you know, but God, you know, no, this is what I know. The fact that you're sitting here is an indication that you know. You just need to get the Zeropat. You said, well, what's Zeropat? That's two weeks from tonight. We're going to talk about why Elijah had to go to the city of Zarephath. Remember the woman gathering the sticks? Where Elijah learned how to raise the dead? <laughs> Zeropat, just to wet your whistle, Zeropat means refinery. You have to go to the refinery if you're going to stand and challenge the prophets of Baal. Oh, my, my, my. So the first thing is name. And he just came to Ahab and he said, well, you know, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. <laughs> That's a bad boy there. According to the God of Israel, before who I stand. I stand. Why? Because God's got my back. When you know God's got your back, you'll do a whole lot of things that's kind of out of the norm. You'll see a whole lot of things happening that's out of the norm because you choose to stand before the Lord, who you know has given you his name. So you stand before the Lord you stand before the Father as if Jesus himself is standing before the Father. When you go in prayer, it is as Jesus is going to the Father in prayer. He, this is why he could say, what thing soever you ask in my name. I'm not saying I'm going to pray to Father and ask you. You pray because the Father himself loves you. 
So if you can go to the Father and get a prayer answered and get a word from the Father, why do you need to go to a prophet? I'm just asking, you know, inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> now, I already said I believe in the prophetic. I really do. I really do. I just recognize the difference <laughs> between the prophetic and the pathetic. All right, here we go. So, ain't going to be no rain these years. Ain't going to be no dew. Ain't going to be no rain these years, but according to my word. So, when I show back up, that's when it's going to rain. <laughs> Until then, there ain't going to be no rain. Ain't going to be none. Now, did you ever ask yourself, was Elijah being presumptuous? Was Elijah being arrogant? Was Eli did Elijah get a download? Did, did Elijah have an angelic visitation or something for him to just come up to, to Ahab and say, listen, buddy, <laughs> ain't going to be no rain. I'm getting ready to shut the heavens. We're going to shut it down. Huh? We, well, yeah, but we, we're not talking about his character, though. We're talking about where did he get this information from? <laughs> did he get a download? Did he just pop up? You know, did God speak to him because he was humble? Could have been. All of that is involved, but I'm, I'm, I'm literally asking the question. He comes from nowhere. He's coming out of nowhere. And he goes to the king and says, ain't going to be no dew, ain't going to be no rain these years, but according to my word. Did he have some basis to stake this on? This is what I'm asking. Or was it just something he decided <laughs> the people deserve? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, he, yeah, well, yeah. Okay. But if we're just reading this story and this guy just pops up, <laughs> right? We're probably not going to try to sit there and figure out, well, you know, what's going on with this guy? May I suggest is something much simpler than we may think? Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 11. And put your finger on verse. Uh, let's start at verse 7, and we'll close on this tonight, because I want to show you, I want to show you what happens with prophetic people, and this goes into, thank you, Lord, this goes into something that Tori asked earlier about timing when it comes to prophetic words. Let's see, let's see if this was what Elijah was functioning with. Everybody at Deuteronomy chapter 11? 
All right, let's start at verse. Uh, let's start at verse five. And what he did, he's reminding the children of Israel about what God did. Now, keep in mind, the book of Deuteronomy is not written to the generation of people that came out of Egypt. The book of Deuteronomy, which means the second law, is being spoken to the people just before they're going into the land. This was their children, the ones that were born in the wilderness that Joshua had to circumcise. Y'all remember that story? So God is speaking to this generation and telling them, remember what your fathers, remember what God did to your fathers. It says, uh, verse, let's start at verse four. And what he did unto the army of, the, of Egypt, unto the horses, to the chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord has destroyed them unto this day. And what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came into this place. And what he did unto Datham and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up <laughs> and their households and their tents and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. If you want to read an interesting story, read that one. How the earth opened up <laughs> and swallowed Abiram and Dathan. Guess what the issue was. Let's take a wild guess what the issue was if you've never read the story. That's when they came to Moses and said, you ain't the only one that can hear from God. We can hear from God too. <laughs> and Moses said, all righty, then I'll tell you what you do. You go stand over there. <laughs> you go stand over there. And everybody who's up under your camp, let them stand with you. Those of you who are with the Lord, y'all come on over here where I'm at. And the scriptures say that the earth opened up and swallowed them up. They went straight to hell, didn't pass go, didn't collect $200 for challenging divine authority. Oh, this thing is deep. <laughs> this thing is very interesting. Very interesting. That was under the old covenant. What kind of backing do you think the people of God have under the new covenant? Those of us who are called by his name and have the testimony of Jesus confirmed in us. We are much more than people have told us. I'm talking about believers, not church members. Okay. So moving right along, he said, but your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Therefore, you're going to keep all his commandments that I command you this day. So that you can be strong and you can go in and you can possess the land that you're going to possess and that you can prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers and to give unto them and to their seed a land that flows with milk and honey. Because the land where you go in to possess is not like the land of Egypt from where you've come out, where you sowed your seed and you watered it with your foot as the garden of herbs, but the land that you're going to possess is a land of hills and valleys and drinks water 
of the, what does it say? It drinks water of the what? Rain of heaven. If it ain't raining, there is no growth. There is no productivity. There is no maturity. There is no abundance. If you stop the rain, you stop the earth from bringing forth what it was designed to produce for you. Y'all got the picture? Okay, let's keep reading. It's a land, verse 12, that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. And it will come to pass, if you hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your corn and the wine and the oil, and I will send grass in the field for the cattle that you may eat to the full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, then the Lord's wrath will be kindled against you and he shut the heaven that there be no rain and that the land yield not her fruit unless you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord gives you that was already spoken by Moses Elijah realized that the people met the condition they got deceived they start worshiping other gods worshiping idols Elijah says ah it's time there ain't gonna be no rain except according to my word. He's simply picking up what had already been spoken and realized this applies to this generation. Prophets have always done that. They didn't come up with new stuff. Prophets always realized when the people met the condition of something God had spoken, they can take that word and make it a present truth. This is what God said. If you do this, he gonna shut the heavens. Y'all did it. <laughs> Ain't gonna be no rain. So it wasn't that he got this revelation out in the wilderness or in the desert somewhere. He was a man of the book. He understood the story. He understood, watch this word, the covenant. When people meet conditions that God has already said, if this, then that, which is why Jesus always start talking about signs of the times, not missing the season. Now we use it in a totally different way. Jesus said, if you had a known in this your day, the time of your visitation, you didn't know the time of your visitation. You didn't understand that things were ripe. You didn't understand that all of the conditions of what God said are right. This is what's gonna happen. 
Prophets just aren't going to God getting a dream and a vision and a download from somewhere to come back to tell people. They're spending time in God, they're spending time in communion, and they understand the covenant. So they know. I got a release that this word applies. <laughs> this word applies now. Now this word applies. And I'm released to speak it. But where is he getting it from? He got it from what was already spoken. He got it from Moses. This is what God said. Now, Second Chronicles, that's our other verse, is 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. That's in the law too. I said, if, if it come to pass and you get in the land and you get all jacked up, he said, if my people who are called by my name, if, if y'all humble yourself and pray, I'll turn, I'll heal your land. I'll open the windows back. So even in Second Chronicles, they're, re, they're rehashing what had already been written because prophets speak out of what has been spoken before them. This is why there is no new revelation. Prophets know what the prophets have said. And then they realize that they're just in a generation where a lot of this stuff is going to start applying. And they have to stand before the Lord just like Elijah did and speak what God has already spoken. Is this, is this helping? or confusing. <laughs> this, this is the essence of prophecy. That's the pure essence of prophecy. God uses prophets. God uses people because we have the spirit of prophecy. But we have to be a people who understand the story, understand what applies to what and who. Because this can happen, this can happen in in prophetic ministry, where you get caught up. Anybody that's ever ministered that way, y'all know what I'm talking about. You get caught up in 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 the flow of what's going on, right? And it's not like you in a daze. You you know what's going on. I hear people say, "I don't know what I was saying." Oh, really? <laughs> Okay, but anyway, now don't ask me after I say it what the word was, because I probably won't remember. <laughs> so write it down, get a tape recorder or something. But anyway, you get caught up and, and, and you just, you know, you, you, you just going and you get a prayer line and you just want to pray and you going down and you praying everything for everybody. Well, there's probably some people in the line that don't apply to. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? No harm done right? No harm done. But if we would slow down and not get caught up in the prophetic craze where you, you got to pray for everybody, where's that in the Bible? You got to give everybody in the service a word. And it's gotten to the point now you go into some of these churches, folk get mad if they leave and didn't get a word. <laughs> What was the message? I don't know, but he didn't prophesy over me. 
Y'all know I'm telling the truth. That is not <laughs> that that is not what we're called to. Marianne. Right. It is. It is. Because I've sat in some <laughs> I've sat in some services and said to myself, that wasn't God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Folk, I'm not that spiritual. I keep trying to tell people that, right? I'm not that spiritual. I'm like, that one. <laughs> now that was, that was, but that wasn't. They just got caught in this thing. They have to prophesy to everybody. And you can start, y'all never hear people give a lot of general prophecies. You know what I mean by general prophecies? You know, God, you know, God just wanted me to tell you he loves you. God wanted me to let you know it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. <laughs> you know how many people that probably applies to people that need to hear God loves them, people that need to know they're going to make it. That applies to like 85% of us. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it now. It's still prophecy. It's general prophecy. Whenever you take the scriptures and you speak in the scriptures under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you're speaking prophetically. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of prophecy. Holly. Because they want they want a Moses. They want people want a Moses. But now understand, and, and, and as we go into this, because I don't think it's all the people's fault, but it's the same thing that happened with Israel under like Jeroboam. The system got set up, and from generation to generation, they just did it. So that by the time you get down to Ahab, you know, we four or five generations into this thing. This is just the way, this is, this is what we do. <laughs> this is how God works. This is how God moves. And this is what people are taught. This is what people believe. This is why it takes, mm, this, I'm almost reluctant to say it, but this is why it takes the truth, this is why it takes the truth of the scripture to cut through all of that. Because we have generations and generations of people who have received nothing but tradition, but they believe it's the gospel. Because this is what has been handed down. Think about it. The Protestant Reformation, I'm talking about Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, all of them, right? We're talking about 500 years. The Reformation was about 500 years ago. But we're coming out of 1,200 years of tradition, out of the Dark Ages. And when you move into Pentecost, 
charismatics, which most of us would consider ourselves in one of those streams, we're talking 1901. <laughs> we're talking about 120 years where we've come to understand, oh, the Holy Spirit still works. The Holy Spirit is still active. The Holy Spirit is still ministering. Now, he, he had been ministering all of this time, but I'm saying the expression that we know of today as being filled with the Spirit, baptizing the Holy Ghost, whatever the case may be, we're talking 100 years. We're talking 500 years for the entire Protestant Reformation. But we're talking 1,500 years of tradition. And there's a lot of things that are being restored. But what is being restored, it's taking us back to the foundation of the text. It's taking us back to the simplicity of Christ. It's taking us back to the apostolic witness. That's why in order to do it, we have to have these lessons from the prophets. Because we won't know how God is preparing us. We won't know really what the Spirit of God is doing. Everybody says, this is what God is doing today. Am I right? Even me. <laughs> we all know what God is doing. You get 30 people in the room. All 30 people have an idea of what God is doing. And that's what they say God is doing. Let's take it to the text, though. Let's take it to the scriptures. And let's see if it's consistent. Because, because there can be some immaturity that's involved in a lot of this. In other words, they have the Holy Spirit. They've been born again. They have the Holy Spirit, right? They love God. I believe, now I'm not saying all of them. I'm saying, you know, in, in a lot of cases, they love God. They've just never learned the lessons. They've never been to Cherith. All right, let me set the scenario here. Elijah shut up the heavens, right? Ain't gonna be no dew, ain't gonna be no rain these years, except according to my word. But do you notice in the rest of the chapter, <laughs> he makes this exit from off the scene. Now he's dealing with his personal walk with the Lord. And the first place he went was a place called Cherith. That's where we're gonna go next week. Cherith means place of cutting is the cutting this is where he learned about covenant this is where he learned about god's provision then he had to go to zarapat he had to go to the place of the refinery before he showed back up on mount carmel so we have Elijah showing up in the early verses of 17 we have the rest of chapter 17 talked about two places that he went but we know it was three years between 1 Kings 17 and 1 Kings 18. Three years elapsed in one chapter, and it's all dealing with God dealing with Elijah before he could challenge the prophets of Baal. So we have a lot of people who the Spirit of God might have come upon and they prophesied, then somebody told them they're a prophet. And they tag prophet on their name. Now they going out and they prophesying. And then when you get caught up in the whole prophetic craze, it's all about houses and cars and land. Oh my. <laughs> Promotion, acceleration, dimensions. 
So if you're in the know of what God is doing, what are you going to prophesy? You're going to prophesy the same thing everybody else is prophesying. That's where God starts talking about they steal my words one from another. This is what happened. Was it, was it, was this Elijah or, or was this Elijah? One of the prophets, they went before the king and everybody, no, Jeho with Jehoshaphat, and they, they went, when Jehoshaphat, but they went before the king and all of the prophets prophesied something. They said, ain't no other prophets here. They said, oh, it's just one. <laughs> was that Elijah? Who was that, Marianne? Yeah. Micaiah, yeah. He ain't never got nothing good to say. So you had all of the prophets who had conspired, this what we going to say. <laughs> so they all prophesying the same thing. You got this one guy over here, Micaiah. He said, we don't like him. He ain't never got nothing good to say. Then he showed up and told him something good. And he said, you lying because you ain't never got nothing. <laughs> you don't never have anything good to say. Right. So you can have you can have prophets who it seems like everybody's speaking the same thing. And if you feel prophetic and you're not saying what everybody else is saying, you can start questioning your accuracy. <laughs> well, I mean, now, now, now we don't want to. Now, now we don't want to take the other extreme. <laughs> we don't want to take the other extreme to think prophets don't have never, never have nothing good to say, but. Well, see, and here's the thing, because I, I think a lot of times, this goes back to timing. I think a lot of times what happens is because we haven't been processed, and, and it's easy. It happened with the Corinthians where we started, and I'll probably close with this, but it happened with the, the church at Corinth. They have the testimony of Christ confirmed in them, and Paul says, this is chapter one, Paul says to them, the testimony of Christ is confirmed so that you come behind in no gift and no uttering. Y'all got, you know, y'all got all kind of spiritual stuff happening in the church. He said, but there's a problem because y'all are carnal. <laughs> now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he's commending them for having the testimony of Christ confirmed in them, right? But then in chapter 3, he says, and our brethren... I couldn't speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So Paul says to this same church, y'all are carnal. <laughs> you got the testimony of Christ confirmed in you. you. You have all utterance, all knowledge, all of the manifestations of the spirit are in operation, but y'all carnal. What does that do to our concept of what it means to be spiritual today. See, everybody thinks you have to be super spiritual. I call them the ether breathers. You know, the, these are the people, they breathe ether, right? They just hyper spiritual or they wanna be hyper spiritual because this is what it means to be spiritual. Paul said, no, y'all got all that stuff happening. He said, but you carnal. 
He said, you got divisions. One of y'all saying, I'm a Paul. I'm of Apollos. You know, I'm, <laughs> I follow Jake's. I follow Benny Hinn. <laughs> I'm word of faith. I'm with Creflo and them. <laughs> I'm apostolic. You know, I'm from Chicago. <laughs> you know, I'm with the prophet. I'm with the prophetic people. Oh, well, you know, we just supposed to be casting out demons. So I'm with the demon casters. I'm with the demon chasers. You know, I'm a ghost buster. We get into all of that. Paul said, you're carnal. So this operating in, in this operating in the spirit of God really doesn't have anything to do with your spirituality. That's why they're manifestations of the spirit. They're not dependent on you. So you can get people who, and, and you know all we have to do, just let somebody stand up in church and exhort one Sunday. Oh my God, next thing you know, they're going to start a church. Now they're a pastor. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Somebody, <laughs> mama called, church called, board called. But they've never learned covenant. They've never been processed. They've never been to a place of refinement. They've never been broken in the hand of God. It takes broken vessels for the spirit of God to flow out. Paul said, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Earthen vessels can be broke. It's not us. It's the spirit of Christ that's in us. And so as the spirit of God begins to operate and manifest, if, if we're not kept in a place where Paul, okay, here you go. Man, I don't know who this is for. But Paul said this. Paul said, lest I should be lifted up <laughs> above measure because of the abundance of the revelation that was given unto me. There was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Paul was buffeted his whole ministry. Lest he be lifted up above measure. So oftentimes, the greater your revelation and the greater your understanding, the greater your insight, the greater is going to be your trial. I ain't talking about the end. I'm not talking about the all the enemies coming after me because of the anointing. No, that's not even what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is God in his grace. Do you realize that when you know what is deposited on the inside of you, do you realize you're a threat? How many of y'all really realize that? You are a threat to the enemy and his kingdom. You're a threat because you're going to be somebody that can set folk free. He's not coming after you. He's coming after the word. He's coming after the anointing. And God in his grace, lest we be lifted up above measure since he has the enemy on a leash and the devil can only go so far. <laughs> y'all do know he's on a leash, don't you? I don't see y'all, man, y'all. <laughs> he's on a leash. He can only go so far. Seriously. All he can do is tempt you to do it. He can't make you do anything. Contrary to what Christians have taught. He can't make you do anything. He's on a leash. God said, I've created the waster to destroy. 
<laughs> Y'all do remember that the devil was created. He's not eternal. <laughs> I, I need to go through this, right? For some reason. But the devil is created. He's a created being. A fallen created being at that. He just can't do what he wants. He will try to violate principle. But who's the enforcer? This answer will be interesting. Who's the enforcer? Come on, somebody answer me. And Elijah, okay, Jesus, I'll give you that. And Elijah said, Ain't going to be no dew. Ain't going to be no rain. But according to my word. In that case, Elijah was the one enforcing the covenant. Now, it was God's power working through him. But he's the one who said, there ain't going to be no dew. Ain't going to be no rain. I'm here to tell you what the king said. I stand before the king, the real king. Paul said, we are ambassadors. What do ambassadors do? Ambassadors go to other nations to take the ruling of the one who sent him. We're kingdom citizens, folks. This isn't church. This ain't, this ain't church. Y'all understand what I'm saying, right? We're kingdom citizens. But we have to understand the covenant and we have to go through the process. I don't know how I got on that. Probably Holly, but. <laughs> yeah, but but that's where we're going. This this is what we're going to be looking at with the thing about the prophets. We're not looking at <laughs> how to go prophesy over somebody. I can tell you how to do that in like a minute, find a scripture and go speak it over somebody's life. But when you start talking about understanding the prophetic, and I think Hugh brought it up earlier, where you're learning how to navigate through these times, it takes prophetic eyes to be able to navigate. It really does. Because you have to be able to see <laughs> you got you got to be able to see where you're going. That's why Jesus could say about the Holy Spirit, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. This is just not leading and guiding in truth when it comes to reading the Bible, but it has to do with how to apply it, how to understand the times, look at what's going on in the world, understand where God is moving things, and understand, oh, we're in that time. That's where we are in prophetic time. Well, then based on that, this can apply. Let, 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 let's, let's, let's work with this. That's what prophetic people can do. Because God getting ready. One <laughs> God, no, I'm just, I'm just picking now. One good God, no. He's been telling people to get ready for 30 years. 
<laughs> get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm like, get ready for what? <laughs> get ready, get ready, get ready. You better get busy, get busy, get busy. You know about getting ready. You better get busy. <laughs> Making disciples. All right, let me let me let me stop. My Norton have fully kicked in now. I'm getting silly. So what so what other um questions do you all have before we wrap this one up? And I give you your assignment for this week. Reach for, won't 